You're such an awesome God, Lord. With everything happening in this world, Lord, we can always come to you and have that hope and that assurance, Lord, that we're going to go home with you soon. We lift this time up to you and give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Good morning. Welcome. So glad you're here. You can be seated. Those of you online, we're so glad that you're joining us. Trust that you'll be blessed that you did. Uh, a couple things before we get started, the first of which is that our prayer meeting will be this Tuesday, uh, 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Uh, that is November 7th, this upcoming Tuesday. Uh, as for our Maui missions update, by the grace of God, uh, you know, as you know, we've been helping people replacing their vehicles who lost, you know, vehicles in Lahaina. And we were able to replace a vehicle for a brother in Christ whose wife was not a believer, but came to Christ as a result of that. Well, I love it when God does that. Yeah. So additionally, we're continuing to provide immediate needs for those needing it most, of which there are still so many. But God, as He's always so faithful to, is providing and He's moving in Lahaina on the hearts and minds of the people of Lahaina. Uh, also, I wanted to give you a quick update on our mission outreach efforts to both Arabs and Jews in Israel. I think I mentioned this last week, I'm in the process of vetting ministries there in Israel. And again, by the grace of God, I preface almost everything that way now, uh, by the grace of God, it looks like we may have narrowed it down. So Lord willing, and if we're still here, I'm hoping to provide a good report about a ministry in Israel. Uh, that has an outreach to both Arabs and Jews in Israel. By the way, I, I, I appreciate your grace towards me when I emphasize the Arabs and Jews in Israel, uh, not just because I'm an Arab and, <laughs> okay, maybe it has something to do with that, and they're my people, but 20% uh, of the population of Israel are Arabs. So it's the Arab and the Jew. And in Christ, by the way, there is no distinction anyway. So also Steve White is here on island and I've asked him to share with us uh, a brief missions update from the Philippines. So he will be here next Sunday. Uh, that's the 12th, and I'm going to have him share before both of our Sunday morning services. Also, we have information out front about uh, the missions in the Philippines. And then, very excited uh, to have um, Wally and Mara. I was looking to see they left. Wow, was first service that bad? Anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> yes. So, well, you're still here. So, but anyway, um, we have a team uh, uh, going to Nepal and that's coming up. I can't believe it's already here. So I've asked them to come up with the team on Sunday, November 26th and share uh, both Sunday morning services, but more importantly, so that we can pray 
for them, send them off, pray over them. Uh, they leave that following Wednesday uh, for Nepal. They'll be there from November 29th through uh, December 16th. And uh, please do pray for these guys uh, going on this particular mission trip. And then lastly, we're also hoping to have JB here with us again. Some of you might remember when she was here the first time from Japan. Uh, this time maybe it's going to be along with some of her team. And I've also asked her if she would be willing to share with us an update as well. Once we get it confirmed, I'll let you know. But in the meantime, please, please, please bathe all of these missionaries and mission outreaches in prayer. Second John chapter 1, because there's only one chapter in Second John. Our text today is verses 7 through 9. I'll ask you to stand if you're able. If not, where you're seated is fine. You can follow along as I read. Apostle John is continuing by the Spirit and writes, verse 7, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone, verse 9, who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Let's pray if you would please join with me. Father in heaven, we have a portion here in your word before us that we readily admit and desperately acknowledge our need for the Holy Spirit to open up the eyes of our understanding to. There's something here, many things here for us today that you want to speak into our lives and minister to us. And for some it might be a redirecting, even a correcting. And for others it just might be an answer to prayer, a prayer that's being prayed and has been prayed. And you're going to answer that as only you can. So Lord, speak through your word into our lives in that still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And speak clearly, Lord, so clear that a fool could not err thereof, that we might hear and take heed to Thy Word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So I want to talk with you today about that which all of us, myself included, actually myself especially, must watch out for in these perilous times of the last days. And here's why. The Apostle John, true to form by the Holy Spirit, is speaking the truth in love, because of love. And in so doing, he's wanting to warn us 
Warn us about what? He, he wants to warn us about what we need to be on the lookout for. So that's what the text before us is about. And I believe God has something for us today that He wants to warn us about in our lives. What to watch for, what to be on the, the lookout for. Because truth be made known, every single one of these are deadly dangers. They pose a formidable threat. And what makes them so dangerous and pose such a formidable threat is that every single one of them and the many with them are alive and well today, starting with the first one, first and foremost in verse 7, where John exhorts us to watch out for not just deceivers, many deceivers. Now in the original language, this has the idea of many deceivers entering into the world saying, Jesus Christ did not come in the flesh. Now understand, and this is important, that John is referring to the Gnostics. We've talked about the Gnostics. I won't get into it today. But the Gnostics falsely taught that the coming of Jesus Christ was not physically. Well, how does that apply to us today? Well, I'm so glad you asked, because I'm going to answer you. There are those who imply that Bible prophecy is a waste of time, and here's why. You don't need to look for Jesus to return physically. Oh, it's the same lie with new wrapping paper. Question. Don't you find it interesting that when Jesus is asked by the disciples about, it's really a threefold question, the, the closer you look at it. At first read, it looks like they're asking him the question of what will be the signs of your return? at the end of the age. It's actually a three-part three question. What will be the signs of the end of the age, your coming, and the destruction that he just got done telling them about of Jerusalem and the temple, that they were just marveling over, drawing his attention to, like, really, disciples, really? This is Jesus you're talking about. They're like, Lord, look at the temple from this, you know, the Mount of Olives where we're, where we're at. Isn't it spectacular? And, and it's like, come on, you guys. Uh, by the way, just so you know, spoiler alert, uh, not one stone will be on top of another. This temple's going to be destroyed. And they were flabbergasted. So this was really the impetus for the question that they would ask him about, well, when is this going to happen? What are going to be the signs of your return, your coming, the end of the age? And how are we going to know? What are going to be the markers? What are going to be the characteristics? What are going to be the signs that we need to be looking out for, watching for? Isn't it interesting that the first thing he says is watch out that you're not deceived. See, I wouldn't have done that. 
I would have brought up something else first on the list. I mean, because he does list a number of things, as you well know. Uh, wars, rumors of wars, better understood as threats of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. You know it well, right? And then he likens all of the above to birth pains, which come in greater frequency and intensity. Now, superimpose that on the very first thing that he lists in answering them the question of what will be the signs. Deception. Deceivers. And not just a few, many deceivers will be in the world. They are Antichrist, not the Antichrist. He's already talked about as others with him that the Antichrist spirit is already in the world. The Apostle Paul talking to the, writing to the Thessalonians in his second letter makes it very clear in no uncertain terms that there is going to be a powerful delusion, this deception that is so strong. And it's all about deceiving people to believe the lie. Deception. Number one. In other words, you, you, could, you could say it like this and see it like this. What's the number one reason why you believe that the rapture of the church is at the door? Answer, there are many deceivers, deceiving people. And it's not really the people. We wrestle a lot against people, flesh and blood, but against these principalities and powers of darkness, high ranking entities in the spiritual realm. But who's the master deceiver? Satan. So wouldn't it stand to reason that it would be deception? The number one thing we need to watch out for, the number one thing that we're being warned about to be on the lookout for, are many deceivers. And isn't it also interesting, the nature of the deception? In Matthew 24, Jesus says there will be many false Christs. He even gets detailed in his answers saying, they're going to say, the Christ is over there. No, he's over here. There's going to be many false Christs. Well, that in and of itself is interesting because I've never, I have yet to hear of a false Muhammad. I'll give you a little bit more time on that one. I, I know that was a little rough. How about a false Buddha? Anti-Muhammad, anti-Buddha? No, anti-Christ. Well, that's, in other words, I hope you don't tire of me saying it, the counterfeit deception authenticates and validates the genuine, which is why you'll never see a counterfeit $70 bill. What's the point? There's counterfeit Christ. There's deception about Jesus Christ because He's the genuine Savior and God. Can I just do one more? Oh, go, you guys. Thank you so much. I love you, man. You're a very gracious bunch. 
I know, and I hope you don't tire of me using this one, but it's, it's really interesting, isn't it, that nobody ever takes the name of Buddha or Muhammad in vain. When was the last time somebody just went, oh, Muhammad? <laughs> no, you should ask them the next time. No, it'd be nice. Don't, don't, don't be like me. Don't do what I do, do what I say. <laughs> because, you know, it's fingernails on a chalkboard. That's an understatement. When somebody takes the name of yours and my Jesus in that way, I mean everything. The Holy Spirit is writing inside of us. And everything within us. That, that's my Jesus. You're taking my the name of Jesus, the only name above all names given among men, whereby we must be saved. And you're talking about my Jesus like that. Like I said, don't, don't do what I do. But I want you to ask them a question. Say, why are you taking the name of Jesus? L listen, why don't we be equal opportunity blasphemers here? Why is it Jesus? Why don't you say, I mean, you guys want to have a ecumenical, you know, one faith, one religion, Jews and Muslims and Christians, actually Catholics all worshiping together, because after all, we all worship the same God. Well then, why aren't you using their name then that way? Because they're not God, that's why. There was one more. I'm hesitating. Nah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I know you hate it when I do that. Yeah. No, you believe me on this one. You actually don't want me to. So number two, <laughs> I'm sparing you. Verse eight. Watch out for lost rewards. Now, this one, <laughs> this is one of those places in God's Word that uh, can be misunderstood. What do you mean? Lost? What? I, I need to be on the lookout for and watch out for, I could lose rewards? <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, John is absolutely not referring to losing one's salvation. If you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. Once you're saved, you're saved. You can't be born again and now, okay, now you're saved. All right, you take it from here. Well, I'm not going to be saved very long. Because now, well, it's like God said, well, I did my part, gave you my only begotten Son who died for you. You believed in Him, you're saved. Now, wish you the best. Well, just, I mean, I'm going to make it probably, and don't look at me all spiritual, because you wouldn't make it very far either. I might make it four or five minutes, and I'm not going to be saved anymore. So now you're telling me that I have to do something to keep that which was given to me? Oh, there were conditions here? Oh, you mean I've got I've to work to keep it? 
or I'll lose it. No way. No way. So if he's not talking about losing salvation, then what is he talking about? He's, lo- he's talking about losing the potential for rewards. Hang on to that word potential, because this is crucial that you don't miss this. And I'll try to explain it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because this too is, uh, think, think this through with me. Okay, so we have rewards, treasures in heaven, right, that we lay up. We have crowns. We have rewards. Great are your rewards in heaven. You will be recompensed according to you know the, all the parables that Jesus taught. So clearly there's going to be rewards at the Bema Seat judgment of Christ. And by the way, Think Bema Seat, not the white throne. You don't want to be at that one. The Bema Seat judgment is picture, and is really actually Paul is drawing from the original Olympic Games of that day. It's a panel of judges that hand out rewards and crowns. In fact, he even goes as far as saying that our crown is not perishable. Because, you know, if you won the race in those games, that panel of judges seated there at the Bema seat judgment, if you will, they would give you a wreath. Now it's a gold medal, silver, bronze medal, first, second, and third, right? So it's not to to punish you, it's to reward you. That's the Bema seat judgment. So we're all going to stand before God at the Bema Seat Judgment, and that's where we're going to get all of our rewards. I can't wait. I can't wait for them. First of all, I'm really interested to see what those crowns are going to look like. I know I may not have a lot. You know, I hope it's not one of those beanie caps that has the, you know, oh, JD. Wait just a second. (laughs) Oh, here, here, throw them the. It's not a crown. His crown's really cool. I get a beanie? Yeah. That's not biblical. Please, you know that. So I'm only trying to illustrate and emphasize and highlight the importance of these rewards. Because once you get these rewards, you can't lose them if you've already got them. Because that would imply the same thing as salvation. That means now you've been given these rewards. You have these rewards awaiting you in glory. But if you're a bad boy, it gets yanked. And that's when you get the beanie instead. (laughs) I'm taking that too far. I won't do that again. You see what I'm saying? So wait a minute, Pastor. Okay, so what's John saying here? If he's not talking about losing our salvation, that's off the table. He's not talking about losing rewards we already have, because that would imply we have to work to keep that which we were given, just like salvation. So if he's not talking about that, pray tell, what is he talking about? Watch this. He's talking about, here's that word, the potential for future rewards that could have been hours. In other words, we haven't got them yet, but watch out so you don't lose what you could have had. Let me try try that again. (laughs) This is something 
that matters for all of eternity. Think about it like this. Our lives here on earth are but a vapor. Three score and ten, as they say, which I don't like to use that number because I'm getting close to 70. I wish it were three score and another three score, so then that gives you more time. But let's just use 80. Can we use 80? Some of you are looking at me going, no, that's not good either. Okay, then 90? Are we going 90? We got 90 years here. We got 90 years here. Those 90 years determine our rewards for all of eternity. Now you got my attention. In other words, what I do in that span of 90 years, boy, I sure hope the rapture happens before I do. First of all, I won't make 90 at this rate anyway, but enough of my problems. But 90 years, I had 90 years to determine what I'm going to be rewarded with and have for all of eternity. Wow! That's what John's talking about. Watch out. You've got just but a short time. And there is this propensity for you to be rewarded accordingly during your time here on earth, which will be that which is predicated. I totally botched that one. It's been a long week. Your eternal rewards are predicated upon your time here on earth. I wonder if we all really understood that and embraced that and knew that and truly got that. Would that change how we lived our lives down here? Would that change how we invest our time down here? Would that change how we live our lives as short as they are down here? knowing that once it's all said and done, and I take my last breath in this life and my first breath in eternity, the book is sealed, the rewards are there, and now for all of eternity, not that there's going to be, there cannot be tears in heaven or regrets, because that wouldn't be heaven. I think that's the other place. But could you imagine for all of eternity, I could have had that. There's no envy in heaven. I mean, I think like this, though, sometimes. And this is, I know they have clinical terms for this, but I just think, you know, my mansion, right? Uh, and I'm going to be driving, you know, I'm, I, drive, I get to drive in heaven, by the way. I just, I put in my request. So I'm going to be driving on streets of gold. Okay. Uh, and there's no speed limit. <laughs> anyway, so, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm driving by and, and I look at this mesh, I'm going, oh, because it's a local. Oh, look at the size of that thing. That is like way bigger than mine. This is only an illustration. This is not a doctrinal point. You mean I could have had a mansion that big too? Yeah. Wow. That's what John's talking about. We all have the same potential. We all start off on the same level playing field, if you will. 
because we all have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. And how I spend my time in this life will be that. I'm doing it again. Why don't I stop while I'm ahead? I was never ahead. That's why I don't stop. What I do with my time. And by the way, stop with the, I don't have time. Listen, if it were really important, you'd make time. Come on, let's be honest. I'm talking about myself too. I've heard it said like this when it comes to prayer, and this is not a sermon on prayer, though it could be. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm too busy to pray. You're too busy not to pray. Man, I just can never find the time. Oh, interesting, but you can find the time to watch that next season. Oh, I really did it this time, didn't I? No, I'm just real talk, man. Aren't, aren't those episodes, don't they have like, you know, I don't know what, 10, 12? I don't know anything of this. I'm talking about you, <laughs> not me, of course. I better be careful there. I'm going to, if you see a lightning bolt, can you just give me a heads up? I mean, each one's 45 minutes. 45 minutes for one episode? How many episodes are there in a season? Like 12 or 13? Isn't that like 10 hours? And you don't have 10 minutes to pray? I'm so convicted right now that I want to move on to the next one and the last one and get the sermon over as quick as I can. Actually, I do want to take the remainder of our time on this one, because I think it warrants it. It rises to the level of needed, the, the needed time and attention. Watch out for false substitutes. Now, John, at first, when I, when I was preparing for the teaching today, I, I have to kind of go over and reread it. And I, I have multiple translations of the Bible that I go through and compare side by side. And I'll go into the original language sometimes, which sometimes makes it worse. I wish I would have never done that. I mean, just because I have the gift of complication. That's what my wife tells me anyway. I keep trying to tell her that that's not one of the gifts, honey. It's not in here. She said that, I don't care. You have that gift. You'll take something so simple and complicated. Well, anyway, I, but this is, a, this is puzzling to me, because what John is saying is if, if you're not continuing in the teachings of Jesus Christ, then you don't have God. Wow, where's the love from the apostle of love? John, I wouldn't expect this from you. Paul, maybe. James, for sure. James would say something like that, but you? I don't have God. Yeah, if you don't continue in the true teachings of Jesus Christ, you neither have God the Father nor God the Son. How about that? Wow. This is kind of serious. You better believe it's serious. What's John warning us about? What's John saying? to be on the lookout for, to watch out for. He's saying, watch out for these cheap, false, substitute Jesuses. Because you know, there are 
fake Jesuses out there. They're not the Jesus of the Bible. They're, they're not continuing in the doctrine, the sound doctrine and teaching of the true Christ. And they don't have God and they don't have the Son. So now the question is, if they don't have the Father or the Son, which teaching of Christ do they have? A substitute teaching, a false Christ. What does that look like? Oh, this is a user-friendly Jesus. This is a Republican Jesus. Okay, it's a Democratic Jesus too. It's an American Jesus. We talked about that, by the way, in the Prophecy Update, incidentally. It's called idolatry, defined simply as, I hope it's not an oversimplification, anything or anyone that takes the place of Jesus in your life. And you've got the usual suspects we all know, but it's the unusual suspects that creep in unaware, under the radar. And they're not the true Christ, and they're not the true teachings of Christ. They are a substitute that has been slipped in. And the church of Jesus Christ has bought it and went for it, hook, line, and sinker, as they say. Because see, instead of the true Jesus and the true sound teachings of Christ, we've kind of had to make some adjustments, you know, and make it a little bit more palatable. Because, I mean, come on, this whole thing about you want to be my disciple, you need to die to yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. You know, that, that, they're not going to come back, so we better soften it up and water it down. And, and by the way, not just the teachings, but the worship. You'd be hard pressed. I know we've talked about this, and I don't mean to harp on this, but actually I do mean to harp on this, because this is a big problem. They've substituted the words in these songs. They've taken out words like the blood. In fact, they've taken that whole song off the list now. There's power in the blood of Jesus. Ooh, blood, that sounds so bloody, because it is. Who can wash away my sin? You calling me a sinner? Oh no, we gotta, we gotta fix that. We gotta bring a Jesus in that's eh, a little more seeker friendly. So because, and this is a true story by the way, for real. A pastor was asked the question about what is his sole goal on Sunday mornings when he teaches. <laughs> by the way, you can have a Bible, quote from the Bible, but that doesn't mean you're teaching the Bible. And his answer was stunning. 
My goal is to get that person, I'm going to look at anybody when I do this. So my goal is to get that person that's in my church to come back next week. Oh, wait a minute. Well, that explains everything then, doesn't it? No wonder. No wonder the church of Jesus Christ is in the condition that it's in today. It's the Laodicean church. It's lukewarm. No wonder you've substituted a different Jesus. This is a Jesus. In fact, the Jesus that you've substituted the real Jesus with is a Jesus that you want to make sure that the person in your church, it comes back for that Jesus. If you invite anybody to come to Christ, which Christ are you inviting them to come to? Oh, so when you're teaching, presupposing you're even teaching and preaching the Word, but let's just give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you are, And your goal is to keep that person. Again, I'm still trying not to look at anybody, but it's not working out too well. Your goal is to keep them here. And because the worst thing for a pastor is when somebody gets up and walks out in the middle of a sermon. In fact, all of our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you want to leave, do it now. Just get it over with. Peel the Band-Aid off quick. But if your goal is for them to come back next week, then wouldn't it stand the reason that you, you can't teach that? You can't teach that. You can't teach that. You can't teach this. You have to substitute it with something that will bring them back next week. Because if you say that, they're not going to come back. Well, where are they going to go? Oh, they've got a smorgasbord of churches to pick from that they will flock to in great numbers, by the way, which is a last day's prophecy. That's got a pastor, (laughs) I'm sorry for this, wearing skinny jeans and a latte, very cool, very hip. That ship, I like to say that ship sailed, but I, I never had that ship to begin with to sail anyway. But I mean, this guy's hip, cool, relevant, you know, keeps it short. I mean, I mean, he's, I'm going to use an old word that's going to date me, but some of you, some of you guys will appreciate this. He's groovy. (laughs) I mean, the guy's just cool, man. He gets up there and I mean, he, he's talking to me about a Jesus that loves everybody. He accepts you just the way you are. And they stop right there, because they want you to come back. Because if you told them the truth in love because of love, and Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is love, they'll go down to a church down the street that others are flocking to, to hear what their itching ears are wanting to hear, which is, you're a good person. You're good. It's all good. You're good. I'm good. We're good. God loves you. Because see, they're not going to tolerate or put up with sound doctrine in the last days. Sound doctrine being that 
You're a sinner. And you need a savior. And Jesus is your savior. And if you don't come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. Well, I'm out of here. The guy down the street, I mean, they offer free iPads as gifts. They do a drawing. No, for real. No, I'm, I'm, ser I'm serious. They have drawings to get people, because that's our goal, remember? To get you there, to keep you there, and to get you back there. So next week, <laughs> I feel like an infomercial. We're, we're going to have a drawing for you can win an iPad, and that's not all. It's a gimmick. It's a false substitute. Hear my heart on this, and I'll, I'll try for a change to, to stop when the sermon's over and not keep going once the sermon's actually over, which is another gift that I have too, by the way. I feel sorry for pastors. And, and I, I don't want to come down hard on them, because I, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I want, I want people to come to my church. Thank you for coming to my church. <laughs> and, and thank you for coming back, too. I wasn't trying to get you back. In fact, I, you mean, if I don't listen to my, that's, that would be torture to have to listen to myself. But I'm pretty sure last week's teaching, I, the fact that you're back, that's, that's the Lord. There's no other explanation. Sometimes I don't want to come back. It's so bad. It's so convicting, right? But I'm the pastor. I have to. So, so I get it. I, 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 I get it. Not to excuse it, but to explain it. I can see why a pastor would succumb to that and acquiesce to the, the crushing pressure. And it is a crushing pressure on a pastor. And, and I could see, I mean, I get it, where a pastor begins to lose confidence in the infallibility of the Word of God in order to be relevant and popular. But that's not what we're called to. I'm not trying to get you to come back. I'm trying to get you into heaven. I mean, I'm trying to scare the hell out of you and the heaven into you, actually. Because I'd rather, I'd rather scare you into heaven than flatter you into hell and just tell you what you want to hear. Oh, yeah. Hey, you're a good person. No, you're not. No, but you got a good heart. No, Jeremiah said, your heart is deceitfully wicked, beyond repair. You don't even know how bad it is. It is hopeless. That's, you have a good heart? Your heart is deceit. It's so deceitful that your heart has lied to you, and you believe your own heart's lies. I'm really uh, taking this one to town, aren't I? One last thing on this. You know that, that saying, oh, just follow your heart. No! It's deceiving you. 
But I could, <laughs> I could see why pastors would succumb to that and acquiesce to that, lose confidence in. I remain steadfast, not because I'm special. I mean, I am fully capable of acquiescing to a message of relevance and popularity. And, but you know what will happen is I'll have a church that will be a mile wide and an inch deep. I'd rather have a church that, well, I kind of do. <laughs> it's like an inch wide, but a mile deep. And I just, you know my job description? Very simple. Preach the Word. And that's, I'm never happier than when I'm teaching the Word of God. And verse by verse, I, I, I so look forward to it. And I feel sorry for pastors that, first of all, you know how much harder it is to come up with a topical sermon? I mean, I, in a sense, do it every week with the prophecy updates. It's brutal. Take my word for it. I don't have to worry about it when I teach expositionally, because I already, I already have the text, because it's the next chapter. Verse <laughs> or book. I've already got it. So, you know, what am I going to preach on this Sunday? I don't have to deal with that. But could you imagine the pressure on these guys, especially nowadays in, in this world that we're living in? The pressure to succumb to a substitute because it's more palatable and relevant. Because that good old time religion. In this world, in these last days, you know, it, it's sad because they're deceived. You know why they're deceived? Because they've been deceived into thinking that if I just teach topically a popular, keep it short, keep it moving, people got things to do, especially during football season. No, I did it. I said it. I did. I went there. That's another true story, by the way. Pastor on the mainland, shares about how that when there's a football game, I won't mention the NFL team, it'll give it away. I'll give you the initials. No, I won't do that. <laughs> he says, you know, on those Sundays, first of all, they don't even come to church. And the ones who do leave before kickoff. Now, I want to ask a question, and I, I ask this sincerely from my heart, and the Lord knows my heart. What are you going to do in heaven? I mean, if you don't want to be in church, what are you going to do in heaven? Because there's no kickoffs. There's no NFL there. And, and if, if you're looking at your watch in church, and you don't want to be there, why would you want to be in heaven? Because that's what you're going to be doing in heaven, is worshiping Him. And it's not going to be a got to, it's a get to. But see, one last thing, and I'll close. And this is, again, just hear my heart on this, because this is personal for me. When you cave into the pressure 
to get away from the sound doctrine, the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and you soften it up, and you water it down, and you make it palatable, and make it, you know, reasonable, and just kind of an in and out burger service, 20 minutes, sermonette for Christianette kind of thing, as they say. You know what you've done? To that person that you want to come back to your church next week, because that's your goal, you have just done them a grand disservice. Because now they're not equipped, they're ill-equipped for when life hits, and life hits. And if you've been giving them cotton candy Christianity, trying to satisfy their sweet tooth with a cheap substitute, and then life hits, what are they going to do? That's on you. That's on you. Because they're not grounded in the Word, and their whole world falls apart because they're not on the rock. They've not been They've not been taught the solid rock foundation of God's Word, Matthew's Gospel, Jesus' parable. I mean, it doesn't get any more dramatic than that. You got two builders. They both build a house at the same time. Apparently they both went to the same church, because they both heard the words of Christ. But one of them built his house on the sand, the other on the rock. So when life hit, when not if, the storm comes, and the storm comes. The house that was built on the rock, psh, that's in the original, by the way. Psh. The one on the sand, and I mean, it's, it's pretty detailed again. It not only falls and crashes, but it falls with a great fall. Why? What was the difference? They both went to the same church. They both heard the Word of God. They both built, built houses. What was the difference between the house on the rock and the house on the sand? Oh, the one on the rock was the builder who put the Word of God into practice. He was not just a hearer of the Word, he was a doer of the Word. But that presupposes that he even heard the Word to do in the first place. How are people going to be doers of the Word if they're not hearers of the Word first? So now life hits, the storm comes, everything falls apart. And what happens to me? I come crashing down, and great is that fall when I do. When our daughter died, I, 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 and again, God knows my heart when I say this, had it not been for being grounded, I mean grounded in the Word of God, early on, first six months after I was born again, I mean, I read the Bible from cover to cover. It took me a while. <laughs> All the brain cells I killed. But, and that was a good news Bible. That's a talk about a voc limited vocabulary. Even that was a stretch for me. 
Anyway, so I read it from the very beginning, Genesis all the way through to Revelation, got grounded. Then I went back and I started getting grounded in the Word of God. I grew in grace, matured in Christ, so that when the storm came, I didn't come crashing down, because I'd been grounded. My life was built on the solid rock foundation of God's Word, and not on some cheap substitute. Because if it's a cheap substitute, it's just a matter of time before you're going down. So John would say to us today, could you imagine if our guest speaker, see I would totally announce that all over radio, TV. Pastor JD has a special guest speaker, the Apostle John. How did he get him? I just taught the Word. So what's John, our guest speaker today, saying to us, warning us about? Watch out. Watch out. Be on the lookout. These are deadly dangers, many deceivers, especially these false substitutes. Just watch out, because there are already many out there. Be on the lookout for them. Ah, I told you I would stop, so now I'm going to stop very abruptly. David, come on up. Stand up. The end. Let's pray. The sermon was over about five minutes ago, but I kept on a life support a little bit longer. Father in heaven, thank you. Ah, oh, such a good word. Hard word a little bit, but a good word nonetheless. A word fitly spoken for us today. Because all of this that we've seen here today in your word is alive and well today, at every turn. So Lord, thank you for the warning signs. Thank you for telling us what to watch out for through your servant John, by the Holy Spirit. Now you need to take it from here, because we don't want to just leave it here. There are things in our lives presently that have crept in unaware, and they're leading us astray, whatever they may be, and you know what they are. And even now, Lord, I believe that you're so gentle about it, but you're putting your finger on it, identifying it. So Lord, now we just want you to take that surgical sword of the Spirit and remove it from our lives. Get it out before it takes us out, or leads us astray. So Lord, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Word, God. We love You so much, and we love Your Word, O oh God. In Jesus' name, Amen.